Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, episode 50. I'm Michael John Simpson. Kitty Brown will be back next week from Wasteland Weekend. This week I sat down to chat with stand-up comedian Shannon Corder. Shannon started off doing open mics at Liquid Zoo and now appears at stand-up clubs throughout Los Angeles. We chatted about stand-up comedy, day jobs, to be to K, growing up with ADD, internet rabbit holes, and her upcoming stand-up show at the Comedy Store on October 24th. This dress has pockets! Here's episode 50 of the Something Something Experience. Yeah, so Kitty will be back for the next episode. Um, So, uh... Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll thank you again for hauling yourself up to Casa de Rainbow the, uh, today. Um, it doesn't seem to be brutally hot out, but I would imagine it's a bit warm. Usually the drive up over the hill is a bit, a bit warmish. Yeah, I... Um, Go ahead, scoot on in. I, has, I uh, borrowed my husband's car mm-hmm. to use the air conditioner because I was like, I'm going to probably be in the car for like two hours and... I don't need to be all yeah. know, like sweaty and stuff. Right. Um, what? What? I, without being too specific, what part of town are you in? Um, like Studio City. Area. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah. wasn't much. Oh, two-hour drive. That should be. Yeah. Like, well, you know, like, like I'm saying, like back. Oh, back yeah. and forth together. Yeah, yeah. Approximately, yeah. So, you know, cool. whatever. Cool. Yeah. Um. So, how long have you been doing stand-up? Um, I would say just a little bit over two years. I kind of messed around a little bit before my husband and I got married. That didn't sound right. <laughs> I <laughs> dabbled. <we> <laughs> yes, <laughs> I um, I dabbled a little bit with open mics and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. my first show that was not an open mic is when I kind of count my Your beginning. Yeah, and the only reason I even know that is because I was in a comedy contest where I I was in the two year and under version. So I went through all of my old like. Um, flyers from old shows and mm-hmm. was like, you know, come on, come on, yes, the first one's in May, and the the cool. show is like in in April, so I could enter. So. Cool, yeah, very cool. That's yeah. cool. I um, first time I did stand up, I was in my twenties. It was in the nineteen hundreds, and a mm-hmm. long long ago. I emceed a, a comedy gig at my community college, mm-hmm. and then through various um kind of not pursuing my passions and being hiding behind the wall of fear, Mm -hmm. uh, didn't really pursue it again at all. Hi, Kitty. Um, until, uh, till last year when I, and I set a goal for myself kind of on the podcast, challenged myself to really, you're going to feed the cat while on the recording. (laughs) Welcome to cat food chat. Um, (laughs) thank you, dear. (laughs) <laughs> um, um, and you did Ron Swallow's show, right? I do, yeah. I, I, oh, that's cool. You know, you know Ron. That's cool. He was my first open mic. Oh, at, yeah, at, the, at the Liquid, liquid Zoo? Zoo? Oh, yeah. well, that's my... Well, technically my first open mic was at a pizza place in Moorpark, uh-huh. Red Balls Pizza. Oh, cool. um, but I wanted to um, evolve my stand-up uh, more for audiences who weren't primarily in a venue to eat pizza. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Although, at least you have an audience. That's that true. I mean. Well, well that's... That, that's debatable. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their version of heckling was, "Can you pass the cheese?" Um, uh-huh. So, uh, but no. I so I did the at Ron Swallow's uh, open mic. I meant to do that for quite some time, and then I finally did. And I've been up four or five times since May ish, mm-hmm. um, June ish, something like that. Um, and I haven't been up for a f- several weeks due to various reasons. But mm-hmm. I keep meaning to get back into it. I want to uh, expand to doing more open mics. I'm a nine to fiver job wise, yeah. and so it's really hard to, you know, as much as I don't really care if how tired I am at work, it tends to get noticed. So you know, yeah. I, but I'm trying to venture into that territory where I'm getting into in front of actual audiences mm. who are intending on going and 
seeing stand-up. How are you liking it so far? Oh, I love it. I've never... The, the big thing that everybody always talks about is the, the, the stage fright thing of, of mm-hmm. blah, blah. And I never had a stage fright problem. Yeah. Um, even when I was a little kid, uh, kindergarten, I was in the, was the Rat King and the Nutcracker play uh-huh. at Christmas, you know, wearing <laughs> a uh, costume made out of a grocery bag. And... Um, that's funny. I did the Nutcracker a lot. Did you? I was just thinking about that on the drive up <laughs> because I used to... Um, I wasn't a very good dancer. I was mostly in dance because my parents knew that I wanted to do musical theater. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, well, you have to do dance too. And I was like, but I want to do karate and gymnastics. And they're like, that will not lead to anything ever. So um, I would like every couple of years, like quit ballet, but I stick with the jazz and tap. And so all of my peers were getting like on point mm-hmm, and getting all mm-hmm. these cool roles. And um, I did like some little kid roles like a mouse or a a gnome I don't even know if that's like a standard thing or something they made up but um, I would always in the Nutcracker yeah the gnomes and I think I remember the dance of the gnomes I think that was one of the B-side tracks from yeah the B-side yeah from Tchaikovsky's original yeah but almost every year I was um, a party girl so I was like one of the party goers and even in like seventh grade I think they had me do that and I used to have to wear curlers to Mm -hmm, school mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is why I was because I have my hair pinned up right now tell just let everybody think my hair looks awesome oh it's fantastic it was like a a, a (laughs) shaft of light came to the window and shone around it in an aura of the glory of everything um so (laughs) I was the the rat king and I was Mm. like one of the only kids in the kindergarten play who actually had a speaking role Uh and um uh bye sweetie see you when you come back um so, um, yeah, so the stage fright thing's never been a thing, yeah. um, but it was always that, that fear back then mm-hmm. not having the benefit of listening to comedians on podcasts, talking about the craft of yeah. comedy, not knowing that sucking is part of the deal Yes, that yes. you have to get up and suck. And the, mm-hmm. the goal is not to go up and have, a you know, a, a routine that's going to get you on to, um, Star Search. Mm-hmm. Eh, I'm old. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but the Gong Show. To, yeah, there you go. There you go. But to get to get up and have a routine that, or just to get up, and yeah. because you're gonna you're gonna figure out what works, what doesn't, and mm-hmm. craft your thing, and just to keep doing it repeatedly. It's it's yeah. It's, it's trial trial by fire and repetition. Yeah. And and not knowing that, I was always behind this fear of. Oh, my stand-up's not funny. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people in my life telling me, Oh, I don't think you're funny enough to be a (laughs) stand-up. That's nice of them. (laughs) really just... Yeah, it was was wonderful. Um, We're not not married anymore. Um, (laughs) No, I don't mean to to crap on on my ex-wife. We're still friends. It's just that there was definitely... She was Uh, one of the detraction voices in the fact of the reason why... I figured it was somebody that you knew fairly well because usually, you know, you're casual friends aren't going to be like, oh, stand up, huh? No, you're not funny. You shouldn't do that. Right, but, right, yeah. right. And I, but all my life, people I didn't care as much about have said, why are you in IT? Why aren't you out doing entertaining people mm-hmm. somewhere? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I really should. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's only recently that I've been like, yeah, I really should. I should, yeah. I, I'm, I, you know, I don't have any stage fright. I have mm-hmm. a stage presence. I have a voice. I can get out and, mm-hmm. and craft some stuff. And I've gotten laughs. And I even made com- meet other comedians at open mics laugh, which doesn't yeah. happen a lot. Yeah, so. that's when you know you have something you need to save. And it's open mics are hard because it 
can very often be just other comedians, oh, yeah. and they may not be paying attention. Oh no! Or yeah, they're on their phone. Or yeah, which you can see, just so everybody knows, if you're sitting in yeah. a dark audience yes. looking at your phone, your yeah, face, face is, is glowing. Yes, yes. Um, but like, uh, I remember the first couple of times I was I was doing it because I'd done sort of informally done my material for some friends, and they're like, "Oh, that's so great!" Blah blah blah. And so I went to this first open mic, just expecting to kill it. And I was like, oh, that person wasn't very good. Oh, that person. Then I was like, I'm going to be great. And I got up there and it was like, you know, yeah. the proverbial crickets. and Or you might have gotten a ha from yes! Ron, from yeah. Ron, or from somebody else. <laughs> somebody at the bar that's like, ha, ha. Well, yeah, yeah. No, that's like, ha, ha, ha. see what you did there. Yeah, or they're like, yeah. that's actually kind of funny. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, not to polish my own tea kettle too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we did just meet. Um, mm-hmm. But I, Ron said... Um, you're on the, he was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He said, you're genuinely funny, and I think you have a voice, and I think you have good ideas, and mm-hmm. I think, and he said, when you're ready, let me know, and I'll take you someplace where, to get you in front of an actual audience. And I'm like, oh, right on. deal, cool. And mm-hmm. so, working on it, trying to get that solid five minutes together to go and yeah. you know go up somewhere, and, and hopefully that that continues to light the fire under the seat and get me keeping doing that, because... Really, really don't want to be an IT guy uh-huh. anymore. Yeah. Um, so, do you do stand up full time, or do you no. still a nine to fiver? Yeah, I'm a nine to. I'm more of a ten to sevener. I'm a seven to four. Yeah. Um, and um, and it's funny how many people like. I mean, I, it's it's nice if I go to a show and people are like, "Is this all you do?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's so sweet of you to think that I can make money by doing this." <laughs> making um, money in stand up. Yeah. Oh, you're adorable. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's like um, making money in podcasting. Right. Oh God, I just got really sad right now. <laughs> um, I mean, you get to that point like eventually, but I definitely have a um, a nine to five, and I have for a long time. I've worked in education for a while. Awesome. And um, somehow I accidentally ended up working in a registrar's office, which mm. is the like least appropriate job for me ever because it's super detail oriented mm. and repetitive. Very bureaucratic. And, yeah. Very red tapey. So, um, uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm bad at it, but it's just not you. what energizes me right? and so Right, of course. On. Yeah, 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 yeah. ITU work used to be great. I used to yeah. really love it. And I used to, because it was easy for me. Uh-huh. And I was the guy that everybody went to and I could, be, you know, be like, yeah, uh-huh, okay, well, you know, the old Yeah, thing. yeah move and, over. And, and fix it and, and, you know, be that guy. Yeah. And, and it was easy. And then I got laid off in 2008. Mm-hmm. And during the, the year and a half when I was looking for work, before mm-hmm. I landed my next gig, Everything changed. Everything oh. went virtual, and companies started changing the model of their IT department to be where you have you're expected to, to your role is expanded into this all these other realms that I had never had any intention of learning about. Uh-huh. And so, I would imagine that the technology grows fairly quickly. In it that. does. I mean, since technology is right part of the title, and I caught up with the virtual side of yeah. stuff, no problem. But there's other things and the job that I'm in, the particular job that I'm in, is continuously more demanding, mm-hmm. and I'm c- getting continuously more dumped in my lap, and so mm-hmm. it's not fun anymore, and mm-hmm. it certainly doesn't nourish my soul in any fashion. Yeah. I mean, I work for a mortgage finance company, so mm-hmm. that's like the antithesis of soul nurturing. Yeah. I, you you definitely have to do something that, um, uh, that makes you happy. In the nights or the weekends mm-hmm. or whatever, and and it's hard with stand up because sometimes it is kind of a downer. Oh, yeah. And I gotta say, once you start doing quote unquote real shows, um, and you get that like 
shot of heroin in the arm of like mm-hmm. a bunch of drunk civilians mm-hmm. like a room full of people and they're like it's you really don't want to go back to open mics and so I really need to do more open mics but it's like um, it's just laziness like it's much harder work than doing a real show and I think a lot of people don't realize that mm-hmm. so um, what's the longest set you've done thus far maybe like 10 minutes okay okay um, I like you find when you're as you're going you you're pushing for more time sure. I, when I started I they were like oh yeah it, you know if you bring this many people to the show, you can have like seven to eight minutes. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do more than five or sure. whatever. Oh yeah, the first time I went up at at, at Red Balls, uh, Danny <laughs> found it. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, the, first, <laughs> the beats blue, um, but Danny found it online and was looking for stand up open mics. Uh-huh. She said, "You were I work in Moore Park." She's like, "There's a pizza place yeah. right right down, literally right. I could walk yeah. there from work." And. Um, but they give you 15 minutes because it's kind of a comedy uh, and music show and I'm uh-huh. like well shit I don't have 15 minutes and they're like that's fine however much you got you, yeah. get, up, you get your time so I would go up my thing is right now I'm still doing the very write down every syllable and memorize it type mm-hmm. of George Carlin model of comedy rather mm-hmm. than doing just jotting down an idea and really workshopping it on, on mm-hmm. stage probably because I'm only going up once a week for a yeah. 7 minute slot once a week um, thanks Ron um so, <laughs> I'm 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 I, I real I know that I, I at least now I can see the path and mm-hmm. I can see the the evolutionary line along which I must mm-hmm. travel to get to a certain point or to get to what I consider my next level. Yeah. But it's uh, right now it's still very much in that little box, mm-hmm. which I don't find discouraging uh-huh. because of hearing other comedians talk about it. Yeah. It is, and everybody has a different approach to it, and I think that's important. When I first started out, I kept thinking, am I doing this right? Am I? And I would listen to other people's sets and, and think they have more jokes than I do, like jokey jokes, and I don't, like, as far as punchlines, I think you have to, you always have to keep it, like, almost like a one-to-one ratio mm-hmm. of, like, set up punchline, but my, my jokes were usually more embedded in, like, a longer story right, or something. Right, right, and I'd like to get to that point yeah. where I'm punctu- where I'm it's punching easy. up a story rather it's easier than... easier to memorize. Sure, <laughs> if it, if it's sure, like one and especially thing. if it's something that happened to you. <laughs> yeah. Because you can, yeah. the, the, the truth, the reality, plus it, it lends to mm-hmm. the um, authenticity, which yeah. I think everybody's looking for from comedians yeah. these days. Absolutely. It, stories can be tricky because some people think that because it was funny when it happened at the time, you know, you can always tell when somebody, when a story falls flat because mm-hmm. they're like, I guess you're a debruiser, you know, yeah, yeah. but um, you, you do have to find something that it has a certain sort of shape to it and, and, and like rises to like some sort of pinnacle. I've heard so many comics that are just like and then my sister said and then we decided to go later and and we're like what are what are you doing um but it's if you could do it right it's a really enjoyable form of comedy and it's and I, and it does what the audience is really wanting is, which is to like sort of be taken outside themselves sure. and to be sort of taken along a path and um so it's I'm trying to think if I you know I don't really have a lot of like sort of stories from my life I just have sort of like I'm trying to remember it's just more like I mean everything I pull from my life but Mm -hmm. it's mostly observational um and nerdy 
I've yes. noticed, which I like. Yeah, I really super like. I, I like the clip that you sent me uh -huh. um, on YouTube. It's very funny. I, I watched that again today, and it's oh, really good. good. The, the Disney princesses and the James Bond stuff. Uh -huh. and we'll get into James Bond in a little bit. Um, awesome. Um, I, it was funny while we were talking. I had this funny idea of, of like that whole, you know, I guess you had to be there thing of telling a story. Yeah. It's like you whip out the Bible. You're on stage. You whip out the Bible. And say, <laughs> in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you look around, crickets, crickets. <laughs> I guess you had to be there. <laughs> That's great. You should definitely do that. I'm I would love to do that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also have this idea, and I don't know, but it's it seems a little bit more advanced, like more of a conceptual thing. That's something mm -hmm. I would really want to try, like an alternative room of getting up to do five minutes and then pretending like I have a hair in my mouth and uh, just that that wind up being the whole of trying to get the hair uh -huh, out of my mouth uh -huh. and just be, hold hold on. Got hair, hold up. and just sitting there trying to pick this invisible hair out of my mouth for mm -hmm. five minutes, and then oh, I got it. Good night, everybody, and just uh -huh. off stage, you know, something like that could work. But uh, I don't know. It, it, it would have to be the right room to, for that to yeah. work. Yeah, well, I think it would be funny, and that's the sort of thing where um, uh, open mics or places where you can do a sort of shorter set, mm -hmm. um, you could do something sort of conceptual like that because certain things, like I mean, you know, Andy Kaufman made a career out of it, but there's certain things like you know having a hair in your mouth that. You can only do that for so many minutes and Oh, but I would you know. take it way longer. <laughs> I would do the whole five minutes of that because it would just keep going and that would be the joke. That it's, right. here's this asshole on stage pretending he's got a hair right, in his right. mouth and it, wait, does he really have a hair? Wait, let's go. And then and then and then you could hopefully you would hear the nerve I mean the fantasy in my head is mm -hmm. the, the, the nervous laughter would build to the point where you're just like that's the joke, and you, goodbye, you're gone, gone. So. Yeah, well, you never know until you, you know, try it out, right. and that's that's all about, that's what putting the time in is yeah. important and why I need to do it more, but right. um, it's, you know, I had a friend um, when I was in college, his uncle was a stand-up, and I always was like, yeah, let's go hang out with your uncle again, um, and he would always say, like, there's no way to do this except for just doing it. You mm -hmm. just have to do it. And I remember um, it took me a while to really realize that I wanted to be a stand-up. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, even, I mean, when I first sort of started doing stand-up, I was like, well, it's because I'm a comedy writer and I want to get funnier and maybe this is a way that I can get like a sure. writing job. And sure. I still think in those terms. But then I was like, this is really fun. I want to keep doing this. And um, uh, when I first even started, I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm really funny, so it's... I'm sure that he needed time to do it, but then I look back at those earlier sets and I'm like, you know, there was like a spark in there of, of, of a good idea, but you know, uh, especially when I listen to like recordings now, I mean, I don't listen to the old recordings because they're mostly embarrassing, but um, <laughs> just like the ease I feel on stage, like I really see a difference mm -hmm. and I can only credit that to just, you know, I would say the hours put in, but most of the hours are sitting in the audience waiting for your turn to go up. Oh, sure, But sure. Um, the, you know, the, the seven minutes at a time put in over years, I guess. Mm -hmm, but, um, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's, that, and that's really important. And I think that's important in any creative endeavor is not being afraid to fail mm -hmm. or in almost intentionally failing. Like, I had a friend that when we first, you know, she sort of like secretly admitted, like, I've always wanted to try stand-up. And I was mm. like, I have too. <laughs> and I don't know why it was like, not, I, I guess there's always just this idea, like, that you need somebody to sit you down and be like, you are funny enough to do this. Right. But yeah. a and lot that, of... That's what I was always yeah. looking for. Right. Yeah. And 
the thing that I keep hearing now is you really don't. If you think you want to do it, go try it. Go mm-hmm. do it. The thing is, do it. And, yeah. and that's why I started a podcast. I mean, because yeah. guys like Greg Proops and Chris Hardwick and those guys said, make it, make your thing. Do a thing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe try producing a little bit more than you consume. And that's what I'm trying to do. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I went to LA PodFest last weekend and had a ball and met a whole bunch of my heroes and actually got some of them to be on the podcast. So Yeah, I that, saw that you did Greg Proops. Greg that's Proops awesome. and Wayne Fetterman. And uh, I'm putting up a little bit later today, uh, Jackie Cation. Mm-hmm. So oh, I had a really cool. nice long conversation with her. And so that's awesome. uh, she was... Everybody was just nice and gracious with their uh-huh. time. And the thing I like about LA PodFest is that unlike... Uh, you know, uh, Comic Con or some of these other conventions that have blown mm-hmm. up and nerd culture has exploded. It used to be with conventions that brought the wall down between the consumers and the producers, and you could make a connection, yeah. a personal connection, yeah. even if only for a few minutes or a weekend or whatever. Great, but then those things have blown up, and now the wall is everywhere. But then mm-hmm. LA Podfest is still that small thing where you can make those connections, oh, that's and cool. it was really cool. I have to say I intentionally didn't listen to any of the podcasts that you did with comedians. Okay. Because okay. I thought I would either like unintentionally steal something or I would be like, <laughs> oh, that's what I should talk about. And I want it to be like my genuine self. Natural and, and uh, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Genuine and authentic, right? Yeah. 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 And that's good. So has all of your stand-up, even from early on, always been in that kind of observation of kind of nerdy things or, or pop culture type stuff, or, or did you cover other topics? Because obviously, all I've seen is mm-hmm. your, your one YouTube clip that yeah, you Yeah, so. um, most of it is pretty nerdy. I do some stand-up about my dog, which I think is because I think of a lot of stand-up while I'm walking my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think when I first started out, I tried to do things that uh, I thought people would think would be funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you do that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I've done like that too. Trying to find kind of gimmicky things. And the, and the Disney princess thing is definitely gimmicky. And it's like, I always do it. And uh, But it kills. I mean, it's a, it's yeah, a good it's bit. Like it it's, really is. I appreciate that it's sort of um, like my calling card, if you will, which mm-hmm, mm-hmm. makes it sound like people are like, oh, good, I've seen her five times, here comes that one bit. Right, but, um, right, right, yeah, you finally uh, get that bit that every year, it, the, for right now, Disney princesses is your hot pockets. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but I do end up doing a lot of stuff about princess pockets. movies <laughs> and <laughs> um, new princess dresses with pockets. That's what they all really want. Princess pocket. Um, <laughs> Oh, you have no idea. I mean, dresses with pockets is like a thing. It's like, oh yeah. My Danny and I were shopping, and and she found two dresses and tried them on, and then realized after the fact that they had little pockets in them. And she was like, oh my god, these are pockets! This is a life changer. Yes. And it was completely. That happened when women are complimenting each other on dresses. They're like, yes, and it has pockets. Yes, yes. They're like, oh yes. my god, they're like that yes. is such a find. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. I did. Uh, I do some stuff about speaking German. I do some stuff about... I used to do a bit about um, my husband playing Grand Theft Auto V mm-hmm. um, because it was so violent. Oh, yeah. And, um, Cartoonishly so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm, a lot of it is pretty um, like pop culture related, I think. There was one show where I realized I did um, a bit about... You know, I did the James Bond thing, I did the Disney Princess thing, and then the other thing I did was about um, uh, horror movies, which I'm actually not that into, but I really, I was like, oh, movie, movie, movie thing. I'm the movie comic, right, I guess. Right. Um, but um, 
uh, and that might, I might have had a Jurassic Park set in there too. <laughs> that was like before Jurassic World was coming out, so right. it actually was not relevant mm-hmm. or timely mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Well, you <laughs> but, could probably um, cycle it back in while well, you could have a few yeah. months ago, but yeah, it's oh, no, really I still, funny. It seems like suddenly nobody's talking about Jurassic World at all anymore because yeah. it came out and it was like, oh my god, this is so much fun. If you like those movies, it's really great. And then two weeks later people start shitting on it and start saying, oh, well, there's no people of color in it and there's no more uh, women and, the, and the, they really paint the one woman and the main character woman as a real bitch and a real heartless bitch and blah, uh-huh. blah, blah, and, and then make her into a real male-type character and, and then, yeah, and then all of a sudden it's just gone. And, you know, I mean, there's uh-huh. been a little bit of talk about the next Jurassic movie, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's funny how things just come and go so quickly these days. I liked it a lot. I was, um, I liked it too. I was like very pleasantly surprised because I guess there was that like scene that was leaked early mm-hmm. that looked really horrible. And it, the him like directing the dinosaurs. Not or that no? it was, it's him and at her, or she goes to his little bungalow mm-hmm. and talks to him and, um, and I think like Joss Whedon or somebody got in trouble for saying like, oh, that's, um, you know, it was like sexist and this mm-hmm. and that. And, um, where, I mean, he didn't get in trouble, but they, some, he apologized later cause he was like now sort of part of the right. Disney family with, right. you know, Marvel and stuff. Right. But, um, but isn't everything, mm-hmm. I mean, aren't we all just we all, owned by Disney just, a little Disney bit? Characters. Yeah. Come on everybody, let's make podcasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um. Uh, I I really liked. I mean, it, it knew what it was. Like, it didn't try to be something I else. Totally it was just like this more. is a dinosaur movie, right? And this it's is... going to be fun, right. and you're going to be like, at the end, you're going to be like, yes, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I know everybody had a problem with the, her running in high heels. Like, I have a friend that is just like fixated on that. Yeah. But did you see the thing where um, it's Jurassic Park in high heels? Uh-uh. Oh my god, I gotta send it to you. It's so funny. It's it, just the sound of it because it's like they go back to and take all of the Jurassic Park movies and then they put in. Um, the sounds of high heels running, mm-hmm. and then they put the high heels. <laughs> and click, 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 yeah, click, and click. it's great, and it's like they're running away from dinosaurs downstairs, and it's like chop, 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 chop. And um, like I don't want to ruin any of, of the surprises, but um, uh, you should you should watch that. It's really quite amusing. It's one of those things where like uh, you you always watch stuff on the internet, and you're like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing, and then you forget about it five right. minutes yeah, later. But this that's I, our culture now. Yeah, yeah, that's our culture. Keep them distracted for just right. long enough to once again not realize all the crap we're doing to mm-hmm. them. Hey, look, or, not, oh, look, a kitten. Yeah, yeah, we're long enough to advertise to them. That's true. That's true. Um, uh, what's funny is I I have you know some friends that do YouTube stuff, and um, some of them if they choose to monetize their site you can choose whether or not you have the ads that you can skip. Oh, right. And, and it, you know, you, you make more money if you make Makes them so you can't skip them. But right. I, like, it, I found out, like, I had a friend that had the ones where you couldn't skip them, and I'm like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. I was you so into it. out, you creep. Yeah, Because, <laughs> like, when you're watching Corporate something, stooge. if you can't skip it, you get so mad. You're yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, who were some of your uh, influences in comedy? You know, I have to I have to honestly say I think a lot of it was when I was a little kid and I would stay up and watch Comedy Central. I watched a lot of Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. And I actually have noticed in some of the things I do, I, I sort of picked up a little bit of cadence mm-hmm. from her. But I remember watching her and I wouldn't... I remember watching Sinbad a lot. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like, I wouldn't say that oh, I... Oh, the 90s. I, yeah. Um, I mean, I wear similar tracksuits. But other than that... <laughs> um, 
I mean, um, <laughs> but you haven't done any like like uh, white people at the mall be like routines yeah. yet. So yeah, uh, it's not quite a you know it's not all that derivative. So yeah, <laughs> I um you know I re- I'm really inspired by like Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. But I when I say that I feel like that's what everybody's saying these sure, days. So sure, it's sure. not like anything new and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, I remember watching a lot of like Paul Reiser and mm-hmm. um, like what was her name, Laura Keitlinger used mm-hmm. to oh, host sure, a show. Sure, yeah, sure. Um, and just watching all that when I was a kid, and so in the back of my head, I was like, oh, this is what I would do if I did that. But yeah, never, yeah. I never was like, oh yeah, I want to do that someday. Yeah. You know, well, I grew up in the in the seventies and um, in the in the sweatier, hairier time mm-hmm. of the 70s. Um, but I watched, was always up watching Carson and watching comedians oh, uh-huh. on Carson. And then this comedy boom in the 80s and, and watching all of that. And you could see comedy all over the place, especially once more channels came and we never yeah. had cable until way later. Um, I would watch stuff at other people's houses, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, friends after school. And we were always watching comedy specials and especially like the HBO Young Comedian specials. We'd mm-hmm. watch those on repeat over and over and over again. Um, <clears throat> and uh, but then once the '90s, I, once I moved out and got cable of my own, Comedy Central was playing so much stand-up all the time, and yeah. it was great. And I kept seeing those routines over and over and over again. And then shows like Whose Line Is It Anyway, and mm-hmm. you know, my first, you know, watching those guys, the the British version of it. And mm-hmm. um, uh, but yeah, so lots of stand-up. But my stand-up roots really started with SNL and mm-hmm. and like first season of SNL, second season mm-hmm. of SNL. Um, and Steve Martin and and of course uh, uh, the late Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> that took me a second. I was like, oh um, yes, oh oh, oh I, yeah, I, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he's dead to me. Um, but uh, at this point, George Lucas, I forgive you to what you did to my childhood because <laughs> it's nothing compared to what Bill Cosby yeah. did. Yeah. At least George Lucas didn't try to drug us first. Um, <laughs> 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 yes. um, Pudding pop. Um, but the um, uh, so those things. I mean, memorizing yeah. whole albums. I, I actually and... listened to a lot of Bill Cosby. But Bill Cosby was the first comic I ever saw live. Oh wow! And I think I was like eleven or twelve. And um, I yeah. was. Those were the two big shows I saw when I was a kid. That I was like, oh my god, it's a celebrity. Were Bill Cosby and Kenny Rogers. Wow! <laughs> wow! So um, wow! I know you're jealous. That's crazy. Um, Can I touch your hand? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. ooh. Mm, You feel like a little bit more famous. Feel the comedy vibes off of The first comedian I ever actually went and paid to see, I have to get this in the right order. Yeah, 89. Uh Uh-huh. It was uh, Jay Leno. Oh, okay. Right before he was doing The Tonight Show, because Johnny Carson retired in 91, 92. Mm -hmm. So this was 89. I took my girlfriend at the time out and uh, took her out for her birthday Mm -hmm. took her to what I considered the fanciest restaurant in town which really was not at all Um, I don't even think it's there anymore Um, it was it it was it was called baby does it was in Denver Mm -hmm. and it was a right next it was like next door to Mile High Stadium Uh up on the hill above the freeway so you could see it and the theme of the restaurant was baby doe Tabor was a a person of note in uh, Colorado history Mm -hmm. Uh, because her husband uh, owned a big silver mine, and this is right before they went to the gold standard. Mm-hmm. And she notoriously, after her husband died, the gold standard collapsed, or silver standard collapsed, and went to the gold standard. 
she famously died living with a shotgun on her lap in a shack, freezing to death in her 80s, guarding the matchless mine. Wow. It was the first mine to ever have electric lights. It was called the Matchless Mine, and yeah. it was a silver mine. So that sounds like a great idea for a restaurant. And it was that's, a, it was a, it was a silver mine-themed <laughs> restaurant, complete with, with uh, mine cars and mine carts and uh, wood everywhere and old wagon wheels mm-hmm. and, and, you know, hitching posts and stuff and, you know, horseshoes and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so it was, uh, I thought it was one of the fanciest places I had ever been to. And, all, mm-hmm. you know, being a little kid and driving down the freeway and seeing that place looming uh-huh. above you with, glo- you know, with lights around and stuff. So I took her there and then I took her to see Jay Leno. I actually proposed to her at the restaurant. Uh-huh. She was my first wife. And, um, uh, and then we went and saw Jay Leno. Um, uh, and that was, uh, yeah, he was he did like a full hour show in mm-hmm. like a big arena, like it was like Betcher Auditorium or somewhere in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a there was a mob owned restaurant comedy club in Denver called mm. Turn of the Century, and all the big comedians played there: Carlin, Cosby, Dangerfield, everybody played mm-hmm. there. Um, and I never got to go. My mom had gotten tickets. She knew George Carlin from his TV stuff, Hippie W. Weatherman, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Wasn't aware of Carlin on campus, wasn't aware of the stuff he was doing in the 80s that really kind of led to his kind of grumpier, more acerbic mm-hmm. uh, care, you know, stage presence. Mm-hmm. And uh, bought tickets for all us to go see George Carlin at turn of the century. Mm-hmm. And some jerk at work, at her work, said, oh, why would you take that? He's dirty. Why would you go see that? And my mom sold the tickets, and oh. I was like, "No!" I'm like, "Fuck, we're gonna go see Carlin!" Oh man! And I'm like 13. I'm like, "Fuck, we're gonna go see Carlin!" And my mom, "Oh no, I sold the tickets. Somebody at work said he's too dirty." I'm like, "What? Oh, Are you geez. crazy? He's uh, a comedian. What do you? I mean, she didn't mm. wasn't aware. Was only familiar with his television mm-hmm. work in the 60s and 70s, and wasn't aware of mm-hmm. his moving on from that Seven Dirty Words and all that." Yeah. Do you think there's anybody today that is sort of like fills the role that Carlin filled at the time? Because I... To a degree. Uh-huh. I think there are several people who, who fulfill components mm-hmm. of Carlin. Especially later Carlin, mm-hmm. uh, Louis Black. The okay. anger, yeah. the political stuff, the vitriol, the the... the Pointing out just how fucked up things are mm-hmm. in a loud, angry, true, cor- you know, voice of truth. Mm-hmm. From a everyday, relatable type, uh, and 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 extraordinarily well crafted, mm-hmm. uh, um, down to the letter standpoint. Uh, aspect rather Louis C.K. I totally knew you were going to say that like is it, I... his authenticity his yeah. his everyman mm-hmm. version of that 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 stage character that he has that mm-hmm. everyman is so relatable and it's yeah. so spot on perfect that he can just take any story from his life or any story from anything mm-hmm. and just tell it and and with his voice make it funny and that's i think what so many comedians aspire to do yeah he he is definitely he and eddie izzard i think are oh, yeah. my current two favorites yeah. um 
mm. like contemporary. I haven't seen anything of Eddie's since I saw I, I saw Sexy Tour live, and then uh-huh. I saw the video of live at Madison Square Gardens. But mm-hmm. I haven't heard any of his stuff since then. And I know he's got new stuff. He's got out some, now. and he does entire shows in foreign languages. He's amazing. Yeah, amazing. It's, it's, Nobody's done that. He's yeah. done French. He's done. I think he went talking about wanting to do Arabic as well because he's from. No, he he's, was born in Yemen. Oh, that's right. He he's learning Yemen. Russian. He like he right. said on stage. I saw him at Force Majeure. I yeah, want to say, I haven't heard anything like in, from Force Majeure yet. It's it's pretty good stuff. It's um, I'm I'm happy to see that he's still like pushing the envelope and yeah. and I. But he said he's like it is my goal in like two years or whatever to do an entire show in Russia in Russian. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. he's done it. I think he's done a show in German too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he did. And, he did French and German. Mm-hmm. Um, and really push you. Doing one in French is really pushing the envelope even further because they don't have stand-up in France. Yeah. Stand-up is a foreign concept (laughs) to them. They don't have it. It's not an art form for Mm -hmm. them. Uh, But it was Mm -hmm. well-received. I've actually seen the whole show of him in French. And my rusty French... French, Well, I understand a fair amount of it. Mm. But I I was able to look away from the, the, the... Closed captioning uh-huh. uh, and, and the subtitles and, and see and, and understand mm-hmm. the bits of it and get some of the jokes. A lot of them were French translations of his English stuff, but right. um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah, nobody's ever done anything like that. I I love it. Go, just going back to Louis C.K. a little bit, and then I want to talk about Eddie's are sure. so cool. Um, uh. Louis C.K. is one of those people, and I think David Sedaris is really, he's not a stand-up, but mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. as far as comedy writing, that really woke me up to the fact that, like, this is what people want to hear. They want you to talk about the worst parts of yourself and uh-huh. be really honest uh-huh. about it, because we're all really like that. We're all horrible. Yeah. We're all horrible people. We're all yeah. monsters and troglodytes and with dark, dirty pasts and things we're, that we, if anybody ever found out, we would be mortified or right. kill ourselves. We, we all are that way. We're all that person. And and that's what people really want to hear. I think, I mean, there's, it's not the only aspect to comedy, but that's what I think feels really satisfying. Mm-hmm. That and the, like, oh, I always thought that, but I never really, like, put it into words or articulated it. But when people, I mean, like, just, when he talks about how he's, like, in his 40s and, like, he talks about I can't remember which tour it is, but like, he's just like gesturing to his crotch, and he's like, "This, this is, this is a bummer. gross. This is a yeah. bummer down here. It's yeah. all red and sticky. And it's and, something yeah. about a pig's tail or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. And oh, and also the way that he's able to talk about his children without being really precious about them. No. Has, about what little monsters, yeah. what little shitheads they are, and I love and he's like, that. She's three. What is she gonna say that <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna yeah. care she's three. about? What's she gonna say like, like, oh yeah, yo, now you're gonna criticize me, little cunt. Uh-huh. <laughs> like him calling. His three-year-old daughter a cunt on stage is like, uh-huh. oh my god! And 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 because we've all had those moments in mm-hmm. friend circles, in circles of friends, yeah. where we talk horribly. It's something we, we could never say in public or never right. say at work or whatever. We've all said that thing or had mm-hmm. something in front of or like I remember the first time we used to have this group of friends that you we used to entertain each other a lot, and um, they came over, and the first time that I heard. My, I heard my tell my heard the first time my, a friend of mine heard me tell my cat to shut the fuck up, you know, uh-huh. like, shut the fuck up, you know, and 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 he was he just fell on the floor because he uh-huh. he never heard anybody talk to a pet other than <laughs> you know? yeah. and and yeah, I the the way that 
because we all there's a time and place in all of our lives as parents mm-hmm. where we fucking hate our kids. Uh-huh. We have those moments where we just want to murder them because they're just impossible to deal with little horrible monsters. Uh-huh. But, you know, ultimately we don't feel that way. Right. But there's those moments where right. that that feeling takes over. Uh huh. I remember it, it, Louis C.K. I don't have kids yet, but I'd like to at some point. And I kind of remember feeling relieved when he made those jokes and I heard them the first time because I was like, okay, I can be a parent because it's okay. It's yes. still like I don't have yes. to change who I am completely. Right. No, and you don't. And I'm evidence of that too. I've got a, a 16 year old kid mm-hmm. and and the thing that our friends used to say about us is like, you guys are a good example of parents. I mean, mm-hmm. you guys are still your normal, awful, horrible human selves. Uh-huh. And you're not, you know, turning yourself, you know, you're, you're, you're not being, um, you're not being Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, right. n- back then everybody loved Gwyneth Paltrow mm-hmm. still, um, because she wasn't a mother yet, but, um, mm-hmm. uh, she, uh, you know, but the people were like, yeah, you, you haven't, turned into one of those asshole parents yeah. it was just like oh it's perfect my child is a shining object of yeah. gold and I'm a better person I'm th- and everything's changed and it's like no I'm still the same piece of shit I was before yeah. and that's okay Yeah, and that's okay and I try to let my, my kid know all the time hey you know I'm just I'm just a dude I'm just a person yeah. I'm, I'm no I'm no superhero I'm no guy who has it more figured out than anybody else i'm just i'm a human being i'm i'm fa- i fail i i you know I, i'm gonna do my best to to try and prepare you for the world mm-hmm. but i'm no genius i'm no i'm no and, and our and our parents tried to make us totally buy into that lie of yeah. oh my god well i'm the parent you're the child right and, and i have higher moral authority than you and right. you're just like fuck you and i always tried to meet my kid on that level and yeah. there's a Mutual respect there. Right. And then I'm sure he feels like he can confide in you more Mm -hmm. and like really talk Mm -hmm. to you about stuff. And, um, my son, my son, well, now my daughter came out this year as bisexual and transsexual. So congratulations. Thank you. And, (laughs) and I, I just started weeping when, when they, when, when she told me, because I'm just like, I feel so, I feel like I did my job because you were able to tell me this just unabashedly, matter-of-factly of, uh-huh. hey, this is the direction I'm going in, and this is what's happening, and and so yeah, that's it. And it's like fantastic, and and moving in that direction, and and just being like, okay, this is how things are now. We you know shift gears, and we're off in off in this new direction, and and just creating a safe space, and that's all that anybody that's awesome. any parent could ever ask for. That's awesome, so. and I I hear more and more stories like that, and I am so like excited for the next generation how much because i like i've always found myself i mean i was in musical theater so of course Mm -hmm. i had a lot of gay guy friends but i always found myself gravitating towards homosexual people especially lesbians i think because like i feel like once you get over that part of like you there's there's a part of you that society doesn't accept and you've been hiding and then you're like fuck it i'm just gonna tell you know i feel like once you get past that you can just everything about you you can be open about Mm -hmm. um and not to say that like oh i'm jealous of them that they had this horrible thing they had to overcome in their life and be oppressed or whatever but um it's uh i found that they (laughs) those people i found that a lot of homosexual people are really open and are really genuine and just because they've they've had to be themselves in a way that most of us don't have to because there's 
there's not parts of our lives that we have to hide to be normal because they're not as big of a part, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Like, yeah. We're, if we're really into, like, D&D or Minecraft, it's not like, um, oh, uh, are you going to bring Minecraft to the office party? Or, right, You know, right, like, you right, don't have right. to... You can hide that, and that's fine. Right. But now that it's okay to be a nerd, you can talk about that. Right. Too. I mean, we're living in a time where... Obviously, there's a, a, a very small, very loud, very vocal m- minority of the population mm-hmm. who is rallying and trying so desperately to quash, to 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 hold on to those antiquated, mm-hmm. outmoded notions of what society should be, and they're going to die. They're going to yeah. die, and that's going to be the yeah. end of it. And because kids these days don't give a fuck about what anybody yeah. else does yeah. who they are they're too busy as Aziz says they're too busy downloading everything in the world yeah. to their computer <laughs> or their phone Right. they don't have time to impress anybody and also they have access to things outside I mean like when I I grew up in Richland Washington which is a pretty small town I think like that and then the neighboring few towns are maybe like 150,000 now it's mm-hmm. more like 200,000 but um you know, we didn't grow up in a big city, so I remember, like, the first time I saw somebody that, I, like, I knew he was gay, we'd be, like, giggling, be like, that guy is so gay, like, as if that was a joke. Or, or that was a bad like, thing. That was, yeah. Right. I was, ra- I was yeah. raised that way. I was socialized that yeah. way. Yeah. Now we're, like, Fortunately, at age 16, I discovered Rocky Horror Picture Show, and oh, that yeah. all went, pachoom, bye-bye. Um, thank you, Willow. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean... There's a whole segment of growing up, figuring out who you are, mm. hiding who you are, then realizing you don't have to hide who you are. Yeah. That we all had to deal with. That kids these days are having to deal with less. Obviously in some yeah. places, in some areas, in some schools, in some mm-hmm. parts of the country, in some towns, in some cities, there there's still people that have to hide in plain sight. Yeah. But it's becoming less and less. And and the, yeah. the people who... There's more and more people all the time. And more and more people of note. More and more people with a higher profile coming out. And, yeah. and saying, this is who I am. Fucking deal. Yeah. And let's move on with our lives. And I'm hoping that in my lifetime, I get to see... I get to see somebody coming out as boring and mundane and banal as or, someone stubbing their toe. Or, like, not even having the phrase anymore. Right. Because they were never in. They were never in. There was never they a just closet. Were. The, it the was closet like, is just gone. It's like, you only need to ask somebody, are you gay or straight? Because you're interested in dating them. Sure. You're like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were straight. That's cool. That's fine, let's be you friends, know? move on, yeah. done. Yeah. Right, right. And, well, I, and, and people are able to start... You know, we, we used to see back on Star Trek Next Generation and mm-hmm. we'd, or different things where we'd see same-sex couples introduce their husband or their wife and whatever, and, and, and now people get to do that. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and it's great. And, and um, that, it, it's a, from those aspects, it's a good time to be alive, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, we have, like I said, we have this vocal minority who's trying to... Trying to fuck it up for everybody mm-hmm. uh, or make it difficult for everybody but they're not winning anymore they're not they're 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 getting louder and crazier because they they're digging their heels in they i remember are. last year when the whole shit was going on in arizona with like making laws about 
keeping gays out of your restaurant or whatever. Yeah, yeah the Denny's and, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and I, I was so indignant and so frustrated by it. And my best friend was like, no, this is this is them losing. This is what them losing. These are for. death throws. Yeah. These are death throws in a losing, in a battle that they're losing. Right. And that always happens. Mm-hmm. Think about uh, the thing, the allegory that I always talk about, that the thing I keep going back to Think about the race riots of the 60s. Yes. Think about Selma. Think about all that. Yeah. And the horseshit that came out of dumb white people back then. Right. About they thought they were totally justified. Interracial couples and thought that this mm-hmm. is the way things should be and this is the way things were always going to be. And that's what we're seeing all over again. But now it's for gay people. And also, along with gay people, trans people are kind yeah. of kind of got to sneak in the door. Yeah. And that's great. Because people were finally like, <clears throat> I think you're forgetting something, you know? And yeah. Because yeah. it was, and it was, there are certain groups where it's like, Okay, it's not cool anymore to be homophobic. Mm. But for what it's like, okay, but you could, you wouldn't call yourself transphobic, but people would be like, I don't care what you say. I, I'm sorry that I see. I'm being southphobic right. now yeah, by yeah, being yeah, like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is that's my a, that's this a comedy, is my bigot that, voice. That's a comedy trope. When you go <laughs> yeah. bigot, you go you go down. Yeah. You go down south. So. Us, is I going to be intellectual and yes. speak like this? Yes. Oh, we, you, you could do <laughs> William F. Buckley. I think that's what we should all start doing now. With a comedy, <laughs> new comedy trope. So now, when you're going to be a bigot, you're William F. Buckley. It's like, well, really, I think that uh, you know the homosexuals uh, really this is moral fiber of the country. It's just really fun to say homosexual in a British yeah, homosexual. homosexual and that yes, yeah, and that um, defeatist uh, Harvard accent, yeah, it's like, yeah. Um, speaking of both race and homophobia, I started watching the documentary um, uh, "To Be To K." Mm. Have you seen it? I have not. Um, I I had several friends um, that are hardcore Trekkies that um, had been recommending it. And I finally, I was mm-hmm, like, Oh, mm-hmm. that's right. I have access to Netflix. And yeah, yeah. So, um, and of course, you know, I didn't intentionally watch a documentary the day before doing a podcast. So I could be like, Oh, so I was watching this documentary. Was watching was this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love your clipboard. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, was it? Well, was the patches, the leather patches on your yes, jacket. I love your leather patches on your yes, sleeve. It's warm your, for the corduroy. Ja- the corduroy, yeah, <laughs> a bit warm for the time of year. Lovely clipboard. But um, two things that you said that reminded me of that. First of all, is the the stupid white people. Like, there's all these Californians with signs that say like "No Japs allowed," and and um, they just looked so. Where, sure of where have you seen that? This was in To Be To K. Because oh. he's talking about being in the internet. Oh, right, 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 right. right, right. Okay, this so is like this in is the he- 40s. Right. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. I thought you meant now. Oh, no, 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 no. Now it's a, um, a impeach Obama, yeah. blah, 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 women right. Republicans. And, right. And I walk, I walk, real quick sidebar, we walk by this table outside of a store or somewhere, this, uh, you know, women Republicans thing, and I'm just like, and I just had this envision of them just sitting in the chair, just punching themselves in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's you. This is yeah. you. Because you're a woman and you're voting Republican. You're punching uh, yourself in the face. Yeah, you know, I I don't want to... I feel like I'm insulting when I'm like, you know, women and Republicans are just stupid and they've drank the Kool-Aid because I, I feel like that's suggesting that these women can't think for themselves and are only doing what the men tell them to do, which... You know, part of me thinks that that's got to be why there it's like a Stockholm syndrome. Sure, sort of thing. and it and it is dismissive, and it is mm-hmm. an easy target. Yeah, people 
in as much as black jokes, gay jokes, yeah. whatever used to be easy targets in the long, long ago in mm-hmm. comedy, now people who are less socially enlightened yeah. are easy targets now. Right. But, I mean, I, I'm, you know, like, Carly Fiorina is a very strong personality, and I remember watching her during that last debate, and when she put Trump in her place, I was like, yeah, and then she's all like, oh, and the fetus is kicking on the table, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she's doing so much yeah, to yeah. be like, this is a strong woman, but I'm going to be like, oh, fuck you, Planned Parenthood, which yeah, is one of the bastions yeah, of our... Yeah. Yeah. The, how so many people are buying that stupid fucking video? I can't get over it. Like, I'm okay, but this is. It's like, did you not watch Alien Autopsy? Come on, right? <laughs> yeah, they may have. M- M- that Mitch Pledgy isn't even isn't even doing the VO on this. Come on. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, well, the thing is, and I'm guilty of this. I think that our culture, a lot of the news that we get is from headlines. Oh yeah, and it's, I mean, and you can. Like, it's distilled and filtered down yeah. to, down to just I, teeny tiny I'm little. I'm totally guilty of being like, well, I heard that they're not gonna make hostess whatever anymore. You know, which I'm trying to. Think, I wish I had thought of something more poignant than that. Right. Um, but uh, you know, all these things and and all of the headlines are clickbait. Mm-hmm. So unless you actually read the article, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it, it's. And I've seen people post articles. They're like, the title is misleading, but this is a great article. You know, and that's good. But. So many of the, so much of the time you're just scrolling through like data, 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 and right. you're just cleaning little yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think our I think our brains are I don't want to say devolving because it's a bit of a strong word, but we're changing the way that we think, and mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. I've I've tried to resolve to not click bait anything unless mm-hmm. unless I see a headline that genuinely tells me something mm-hmm. and I just want more details about what that something is yeah. I'm not going to go look at it yeah. I've made tried to make the conscious effort of purposely not indulging in clickbait well you know as a comedian you can click on those things and say it's for research <laughs> and you can indulge your guilty yeah, pleasure okay. yeah, but you know what it never turns out well I yeah. remember um, just like, being angry like late at night being like oh surprising celebrities you didn't know were gay and like you know I'm like, again, I, I don't, don't care but care. I still went to it but it was one of those things where they make it so hard yeah. I had to click four things and it's like embedded in a thing and you, and you click on the wrong click an one ad, and there's and then, a porn ad or whatever. and then I'm like I already knew he was gay or ah, they're bisexual yeah and, you get to the end it's like you know, this isn't telling like, me anything I don't is, already know and not, not to say that bisexual is like gay light or something but right. you know there's a lot of female actors that are like hey I'm bisexual and it's Panse- cool, and pansexuality yeah. is now a thing you know, that mm-hmm. people are talking about and again about not and, to say that I think people say that they're bisexual to sound cool but yeah. although pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. I just put it, it out is. there. Let's it's just pretty say, cool. It's, cool. it's like, really? Yeah. You can, uh, all right. Well, yeah. hey, cool. Um, <laughs> and, um, okay, I wanted, before I forget, I wanted to go back to the Takei. Yeah, back to the um, Takei. So he told, I remember he said, and this is way, way before he came out, and, and um, all of his, all of his like, castmates were like, oh, yeah, we weren't surprised or whatever. But everybody was, like, pretending or whatever. I don't know if they really knew, but... He had a conversation with Gene Roddenberry where he said, you know, this show is pushing the envelope. We've had, like, interracial kisses Mm -hmm. and comments on racism and comments on McCarthyism and all of this Mm -hmm. stuff. But we've never had 
homosexuality and and Roddenberry was like they're just not ready for that yet and so it's cool I haven't I've seen um, a smattering of um, uh, of next generation um, but I haven't seen the episodes with the same-sex couples. Yeah, and it's and subtle. It's usually people in the background holding mm-hmm. hands or having an intimate but dinner in the so background cool. and 10 forward or whatever. But it was there. Yeah. And then there was also a couple of episodes where they went to a planet where... And then also on DS9 with, with Dax having homosexual... You know, having gay relationships or, or whatever. That, like that, that they had the, the sim... The, the, the sim, you know, the symbiote character Dax that goes from body to human, human host to human oh, host, okay. or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever race host to whatever race mm-hmm. host, and sometimes it's a man and sometimes it's a woman, and mm-hmm. has relationships with both, and and always thought that was that was kind of cool and and a different way to do that. I think that was after Rodmary was already gone, but but um, that reminds me of a really cheesy thing that I just realized was one of the very first things that as a ch- as a kid, well, like a tween or something. Um, for the very first time, like opened my eyes to homosexuality mm-hmm, and, the, and mm-hmm. the oppression, is this episode of Ellen. Mm. Um, when or was it the Ellen show? What was it called? Because there's it was the it was, yeah there was the Ellen DeGeneres show, but I think it was just the sitcom was just yeah. called Ellen. I, okay, that's what I thought. Um, and this was before she came out. I think. I think. Yeah. Um, there was an episode where she had a dream and she woke up and. Or maybe it was a tertiary character. I can't remember. But basically, in the stream, everybody was gay. Mm-hmm. And she, or whoever was the central character in this episode, was the only straight person. And everyone's like, you're so weird for being straight. And, like, they couldn't find a mate because that's like it was all secret and underground right, and right, so on. Right. And, and like, I was a kid, and I was like, that is that makes so much sense. Right. And it's funny because we think now... Oh, they throw stuff into shows to make it sort of pandering or to be like, look, we're socially right. conscious. We're being but, diverse. But that really, um, that and the 90210 episode about condoms <laughs> like, <laughs> really actually opened my eyes, yeah. like socially. The first time I saw condoms in a show, I think it was an episode of, um, oh, what was it? There was a show that was, it wasn't Lou Grant. There was a show where, where it was about a high school Maybe it was. It might have been White Shadow. Might be one of those shows. It was a show about a high school, and they, it was this whole thing of them giving out free condoms, mm-hmm. and and they're all the debate over, you know, whether high school should be giving out free condoms and blah blah blah, and whether it promotes sex or what sex and all Do that. You know. Oh no, no, go ahead. Right hands right in the okay. door there. Um, but uh, yeah, so there was. There was there was stars and celebrities who. Um, as they said on a community who in the seventies, you know, the, the, the most that they could ever do was occupy the center square. Um, <laughs> but that we grew up knowing that they were kind of slightly different and mm-hmm. not really knowing why. And, you know, I grew up in the seventies where we still had Paul Lind and, 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 uh, Charles Nelson Riley and, and, you know, characters like that. And, and that kind of, there was these subtleness to it. And yeah. also even on like things like Monty Python, which I started watching more in the, in the late seventies, early eighties, oh. how many of those sketches had Graham Chapman in drag or mm-hmm. being, a, being gay or being, you know, there's a whole thing where he's like a, an, an announcer and he's just like, and I want you to think of me as an old queen friend, friend, an old friend. <laughs> and, and, you know, and just these other little, little subtle nuances. Mm-hmm. And it's like, of course he was gay, you know? And, yeah, and yeah. 
But yeah, and, and but but then, like I said, Rocky Horror was the first thing that really just right in the face, no way, no bones about it. Mm-hmm. It was there, and it and it just and, and this penny dropped for me, and it was just like, oh, everybody's the same. Yeah, everybody has love and hate. Lust and anger. Everybody and wants every, to sleep with Tim Curry. Everybody <laughs> wants to sleep with Tim Curry. We all want to fuck Tim Curry. Um, that was the moment. That was the time when it really dropped. I was sixteen, and I went back mm. to school that next that Monday, and just looked at people differently, and just hmm. looked and just. I didn't know anybody in school except there was this one guy who claimed to be gay, and I'm sure he was, mm-hmm. but claimed to be gay, and we all kind of exoticized him. We all treated him hmm. with this like. Ooh, he's gay. Uh huh. <laughs> and even though some guys were like, eh, fag, whatever, but he was very unabashed about it and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he used to sit out in the smoking area and talk about rim jobs. Yes, I went to high school in a time when the, there was a student smoking area. Um, I did too, actually. Well, maybe it was just off campus. <laughs> no, no, this was but, on campus, a room, uh, a fenced in room with funny. picnic tables that was designated as a smoking area mm. um, for, for the students. Um, but. Yeah, so growing up around, you know, fag jokes and blah, 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 yeah. and all that, and and being sucked into, into part of that, but still always feeling like it was mm-hmm. not right and not, yeah. you know, but I was always one of those kids who was just always kind of different and never really quite fit in in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. raising my hand. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, I found out later that I had ADD. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, um, and I was diagnosed with it, and then, then I actually took the physical test, the physical tests for it, uh-huh. and wasn't. I didn't know there was a physical test. Yeah, there was a series of, of concentration tests oh, okay, that they would like, give you. And unlike on South Park, it wasn't sitting and reading The Great Gatsby to you. In, <laughs> it was... Uh, That's hilarious. It was, uh, yeah, a series of tests I had to click this little counter thing over mm-hmm. and over again and, and remember a series of words and sentences mm-hmm. and reading comprehension tests and all this and at the end they're like, no, you don't have ADD. I was on Ritalin and everything back in wow, like 1986, 87. Oh, I mean, really early on. Yeah. You were and one of the first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And because I always had, I was always a daydreamer. I was always, yep. you know, daydream in class and, you know, they didn't have homework in grade school then. It was mm-hmm. you did your work in class and and uh, I was always just kind of off, just kind of off in, in yeah. my little cloud world in my mm-hmm. head. And um, so, yeah. What was it's, your experience with ADD? Well, um, I think, you know, I was sort of a, I did have a big personality. I was always a ham and mm-hmm. I was very bossy mm-hmm. and I would like put together plays with my cousin and my sister. I'm like, you do there, you be there. And then they would be, they'd be like, fuck this, I'm not doing this. And then I'd get so mad at them. Um but, like, uh, I remember saying a lot of things just to, like, I'd talk, I mean, when I was, like, seven, I would talk about toilets, because you weren't supposed to, right, and I knew right. that would get a rise out of people, especially right. adults, and they'd right. be, like, <gasps> like, I remember pay, playing, like, the game Telephone, which is really fun on its own, and you shouldn't mess it up, but I would always intentionally fuck it up and be, like, <laughs> toilet paper, you know, halfway through, you know? And, um, I mean, uh, here's the seeds of comedy. Right. But, um, also, I'm, I'm adopted, and my family's pretty... Um, like my sister did ballet, she was always in the Nutcracker mm-hmm. as, like, one of the good things. Right, like a swan the snow or whatever, right, or the, right, yeah. snowflake, or, yeah. Um, and um, 
you know, when I was the one wearing the ringlets and stuff. And um, so I always, I, I think just part of having a big gregarious fan, uh, personality while in um, having a mother and a sister that were both kind of shy and laid back mm-hmm. made me feel a little bit like, oh, there's something wrong with me. But um, uh, I think I also, because of the ADD, um, see, what Ritalin does is it sort of stimulates you enough to the point that you can focus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I always think of it like there's a little kid running around in my head that wants to play, and I need to, like, give her a book to, like, sit down mm-hmm. while I go take care of business. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So the Ritalin will do that, but the, uh, but then that's why people with ADD are also, like, attention seekers or will get in trouble on purpose or mm-hmm. will do thrill-seeking behavior like speeding or drugs or, or I mean and the drugs could be self-medicating also right so I was a big drama queen I would be like uh, did you hear what she said about you no. you know and like or like one day and this is like this is like fifth sixth grade sure, you know? sure. I'm, I'm happy to say I don't think I did that that much in high school when um, like I think I was a little more figured out who I was and I was like okay here's the nerdy people right, <laughs> and right. then I'm gonna hang out with them and and stuff um, but um but yeah, I and and so it was sort of like the sixth sense, like where you, oh I was dead that whole time oh, oh I had ADD that whole time right 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 that's why I did that well they tried to tell me I had ADD because I was always 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 and, and you know in grade school before anybody knew what ADD was mm-hmm. there was that whole thing of you had to go see the the school counselor and talk into a microphone and draw pictures and make up stories and blah 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 to try and see why you're daydreaming because they assume you're being abused or you're whatever <laughs> and I wasn't I was like, you know my hmm, parents just very creative. my parents just kind of left me off on my own but the mm-hmm. thing was and the the public school system in Denver, the one that I wound up, the one I started in was great. And the one I wound up in after my parents got divorced was, was lesser. So, yeah. and they had, you know, too many kids and not enough teachers. Yeah. It wasn't like inner city type mm-hmm. to that degree, but it was one of those things. They just didn't have special programs for yeah. bright kids. Yeah. And it's like the more, most you would get would be skip. You know, you would go to the higher level of reading class yeah. or the higher level of math class you know, switch to a different homeroom for a, a class period yeah. or whatever. But other than that, they didn't really have special programs mm-hmm. to really make you sit down and concentrate and yeah. and get keep maintain your focus. Because mm-hmm. you know, they didn't realize that the school they tried to put it always put it back on the kid. You need to apply yourself. You need to concentrate. You need to pay attention. And it's mm-hmm. like, but it's the school's job to to make that thing happen mm-hmm. for the kid as well. At least, especially in elementary and and, and junior high. Mm-hmm. Once you get to high school. Kids have to start taking some responsibility for themselves. Yeah, and I kind of did, but by the time I went got to my senior year, and the ADD thing kind of came and went, the the Ritalin thing came and went. It wasn't really helping me, and I was determined. Mm. I was determined that I was an ADD, so it's like, well, great. Now what? And every how did you feel when you took it? Did it make you feel hyper, or did it make you feel calm? Do you? I don't know if you remember. I'm trying to remember. I haven't thought about it in a well, long the, time. Well, the reason I ask is. Um, and this is why I hate, there's all these stereotypes. Everybody's like, ADD is way overdiagnosed. And maybe there are people that are diagnosed incorrectly because there's a lot of things that look like ADD. But women and minorities are especially, like, underdiagnosed. I think, I think like, um, with, like, in the African-American or Hispanic community, it's, like not as it's not as cool just like it is with white people like oh yeah i'm going to my therapist right you know? right 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 so right. it's it's like there's just, more of a taboo thing yeah like mental health Culturally. i think is um uh becoming more important where whereas like 
you know, if you would you would stick out more. So that's what I've done. I you know, sure, that's sure, what sure, heard. sure. With women, um, they're generally more likely to be the inattentive type, mm-hmm. where they're more dreamy and stuff, and and men are generally more like acting out hyperactive type. Sure, sure. So it goes undiagnosed. But the thing that bugs me is they're like, oh well, the doctors are just trying to sell medication, or the um, the parents are trying to drug their children to zone them out. But if you don't have ADD and you take Ritalin, you're going to be like you're on crack. You're going to yeah. be like running around. And For me, I think it actually calmed me down a little bit mm-hmm. but it may, and made me concentrate a little bit for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it just kind of stopped doing that. And yeah. it was one of those things where there were classes I paid attention in because I was interested because they were interesting mm-hmm. to me things like mm-hmm. drama and uh, drama and uh, creative writing and yeah. French and you know th- that I excelled in English was very easy for me but mm-hmm. things like math and history I was just like fuck you I don't want to do this yeah. and that wasn't you know and it wasn't attention deficit disorder I was just bored I just yeah. was disinterested mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where with a kid somebody has to be the adult and say look you got to concentrate on this. You mm-hmm. need to, you need to do better in this. And the, the the putting a demand on a child, even in even in well into teenhood, of saying you're solely responsible for your performance in this field that you have no interest in mm-hmm. is irresponsible. Yeah. Even, even my parents, my parents never offered to sit down and do my homework with me. My mm-hmm. parents, you know, the teacher never did that. They were just like, oh, well, he just doesn't want to pay attention or, oh, punish him, punish him, ground him, yeah. punish him, take away stuff. And it's just like, that's not, you know, and the, yeah. so it wasn't ever anything like that. Now with, with my kids, there's a certain thing of, of, this is your responsibility. But if you need help, you need to ask for it and we need to provide it for yeah. you. But if you just keep trying to skate through this, there's going to be consequences. Mm-hmm. It's not your job to completely take this on on your own, mm-hmm. but it is your job to say, hey, I'm not doing so well, help me. That yeah. is your responsibility. But but you're not solely responsible because you're a kid and we are adults and it's our job to help you navigate this thing mm-hmm. this this time this this journey through school it's some of our responsibility to help you but you also have to take on the responsibility of asking for help mm-hmm. so we kind of do that thing of that balancing tightrope act of of empowering the kid but also managing the kid mm-hmm. at the same time without over managing it's a it's a yeah. it's a fine line but it and, it and it's at times it's a struggle but for the most part it seems to work all right mm-hmm. And that's the same as you're going to get at a job, and that's the same as you're going to get yeah. out in the real world, and especially in college. College doesn't give a fuck about you. Yeah. You know, they're really not going to help you. You really have to want it. You really have to earn it. You really mm-hmm. have to grab it and uh, grab the ring and, and go. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to stop and help you unless you, uh, you know, you can ask, but even a college professor is going to be like, okay, well, maybe set up your own study group. Have fun. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got shit to grade. See, I think that's why I was... Uh undiagnosed for so long because I did act out a little bit when I was a kid um but I also was daydreamy but I mostly was into school except for certain subjects um I still really suck at spelling thank god that we have google now so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah spell check is, a, yeah. is your friend and I was always one of those kids who was phenomenal at spelling my huh. my older stepbrothers were always asking me how to spell words hmm. and I would always say d-i-c-t-i-o-n-a-r-y <laughs> Being a little shithead, I was. Do you feel like your experience with ADD 
has informed your comedic sensibility to a degree? Yes, on a couple of levels. Um, I think, well, not knowing for that I had it for a long time. When I finally discovered it, I think it was because I was like working in the real world and those jobs were really hard because yeah. they were boring as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, but also, you know, always feeling like there was something just a little off or, you know, I had a teacher, I was in a gifted program and I had one teacher like in fourth grade tell my parents like she's not gifted enough to be in this program. Yeah. And, um, cause I would like have a messy desk. Or that's almost, my that's kind of like the equivalent of, of, oh, you're not fat enough to get stomach stapling surgery. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like, okay, so I'm in this middle ground, I'm in this, this limbo between, you know, not average and mm-hmm. not brilliant. So what's for me? But for me, it was always extremes. Like I would get a lot of praise as a kid, like, oh, you're so smart. And then, um, I was doing like drama and stuff. And so I'd be like, oh, you're so talented. But then, like, I would have teachers or certain authority figures that would be like, you know, you could do so much better if you just tried harder or something. Oh, God, that so, whole, you need yeah. to apply yourself. Yeah, so fuck it was you. really confusing, like, am I awesome or awful, right. you know? Yeah. And which is funny because I think the art, artist's brain is a lot like that. You, yeah. there, there's no middle oh, well, ground. Oh, yeah. like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're other. absolutely right. The, the, yeah, that just mm-hmm. kind of opened up a whole door for me, the whole artist brain thing you just said. So, yeah, the artists are constantly, and we've had a lot of artists on the podcast, mm-hmm. artists are constantly questioning themselves, questioning yeah. their talent, questioning their ability, questioning their voice, comedians, and I think that's part of the thing. That's part mm-hmm. of the deal, is navigating Comedians that. actually have it good in a way, I mean, we're going up in front of people and making asses of ourselves. Right. But we always get like instant feedback. Sure. You know, you could yeah. sit on something that you wrote and you know, you yeah. can have like 10 people read it and they, they might all think it's awesome, but most people, yeah, the know. live component, you do get that instant yeah. gratification or instant heartbreak, whatever it is, but you get instant yeah. feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, as far as the ADD sort of informing my comedy, I do think that, the basic structure of a joke is sort of a skip in logic Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm, a way mm -hmm. and um it's sort of the there's the one piece the one jenga piece that's pulled out that the audience has to fill in themselves and they're like ah aha the two-way relationship yeah yeah yeah. and so i feel like my brain does that a lot just on its own Mm. because it just skips around i mean sometimes to the degree that people can't follow me at all and if i'm sure people will listen to this podcast and be like you said you were going to talk about eddie izzard and then we never did we (laughs) for that one person that's going to drive crazy but my husband is like when I talk to him it's like a tree and sometimes he'll just sit there and start smiling and I'm like what and he's like you started talking about like the Presbyterian church and now you're talking about like squirrels or something (laughs) and and I'm like I'll go back it's like it's like a flow chart like it splits it splits it splits yes yes I if it's a word tangentiate I do that myself yeah um uh yeah yeah so yeah I yeah I definitely not necessarily full blown ADD but there's mm-hmm. definitely times when I check out and I'm just yeah. like in my own little that's why I have a hard time reading mm-hmm. I can't read you know reading a book I'll be in the middle of a paragraph and I have to read that paragraph yeah. again and again and again because a one word will send me my brain spiraling mm-hmm. off in a direction 
Yeah. You know, the blue house. Oh, blue house. What does that look like? Oh, yeah. There's blue house. There's a blue house down the street where I grew up. Yeah. Oh, that red ball that I lost when I threw it in the yard of that blue uh-huh. house. And then that dog. Oh, that dog died and was hit by a car. And then, and then Sylvia Foley lived down the street. She always had curlers <laughs> in her hair. It smelled like cigarettes. And they were menthols. And I remember because my mom was smoking menthols. And it was 1972. We were living in Columbus, Ohio. And see, I just did it again. Yeah, you might have ADD, actually. <laughs> but regard, like, I think it's important for everybody to sort of understand how their brain works and know yeah. that it's not going to be like everybody. No. And because I've, like, okay, I, I have a show tonight and I was trying to prep for it last night and I was just doing miserably. I was watching, going back and forth between watching the Takei do- documentary and um, YouTube videos of parrots, which I'm just really into <laughs> lately. Like, like okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Oh, put on the brakes. Put on the brakes. What kind of pair of videos are we talking about? Okay, mo- this is going to sound weird like it's a fetish, okay? But I like to see You're in a safe videos? space okay, here. Okay, okay. It's just you and me and all of your subscribers. Yes, all 12 of them. Um, I, um... Twelve uh, people today learned of Shannon Quarter's parent obsession. Very fetish. Um... <laughs> Okay, so, well, uh, I used to have birds when I was a kid, and... Um, Creepy. Uh, <laughs> cute little parakeets. Yeah. And um, uh, I, was in a, I was in a pet store, like, recently, and I didn't realize you could, like, touch the parrots. Like, they have them all sitting out. Yeah. And I thought that if you they were just did that, they would be like... They are going to nip your finger yeah. off. Yeah. But um, this guy was showing, he's like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 and... Um, and was showing us like how to pet them. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. didn't know you could pet a bird. Like yeah. to me, that was like petting a turtle or a fish. Sure, sure, sure. But they love it. Oh yeah. And they like their um, like the macaws and the African greys. They their eyes do this thing called like pinning, mm-hmm. where it sort of dial. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, it's like they um, took a bump of coke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was, and I have my husband took this video of me um, uh, petting this macaw, and he just said it was like, was like, like he just gave me these like. Uh, like almost like a noise. purring noise yeah, yeah. Oh. so it's sort of like petting a dog and they're just so happy have you, you know? seen the video real quick another real quick tangent mm-hmm. have you seen the videos of like uh, owl and cat are best friends oh I love love those. that shit I love because that you see seeing birds I mean <laughs> yes. birds were always you know, ah, Alfred Hitchcock the birds yeah oh, birds are creepy and um but seeing birds behaving the way dogs and cats do yeah with such affection and such kinesthetic you know that yeah. real uh, they want to be touched they want to be loved and, mm-hmm. and affection so so back to the the, the parrot parrots, videos you're yeah. watching so there's a, you know i'm just sort of fixated on parrots now because this is what i do like last month it was minecraft and then before <laughs> that it was god what else oh this uh, have you ever played the star wars card trader game oh no oh my no. god I, I was never into trading there's cards. There's that new and game oh, that's out, and it's the Star Wars, like, Tops Collection card, or, yes. yes, trading cards. Oh, my God. Well, and there's I'm, a new game, and you can trade, yeah. It's so, I guess it probably simulates the same reward center in your brain as, like, gambling. Oh, I'm sure. We were like, oh, I got the insert. There's only yeah. 5,000 of these. Anyway. Um, we all only like three things. Dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin. Yeah. That's it. There you go. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, yeah, so the parrots are what I am fixated on now. So, you know, you, you start out with like, oh, it's a parrot talking. Wow, that's weird. I can't believe that they can make that sound or whatever. And then, like, um, just watching them interact with people, it's just, 
and I don't know, it's really cool. And like, I'm not watching weird like jerk off parrot videos or something <laughs> like that. I'm just like, yeah, I'm, bur- I'm, I'm birding off again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm birding off. <laughs> um, my my favorite parrot videos are the ones where they're like, or any kind of bird doing heavy metal. Yes. The the rooster, the, um, or and the other one, the uh, the bodies drop or whatever. That African gray who's singing. Like, another body drop. Oh my god! I have to look that up. And another body drop. Or then the, then the heavy metal rooster, where you see the rooster and he's like, and the rooster just, you know, doing a total death growl. It's so great. Then you would enjoy <laughs> Cockatoo dances to dubstep very much. Yeah. But I always, I always end up going down the rabbit hole. It's like that with, you know, I'll, I'll be like, Oh, I'm going to watch parrots. And then you end up with like a monkey riding a turtle or, <laughs> you know, whatever. And, and Wikipedia. Oh my God. Mm, like there's, mm, the, yeah, that's a, that's mm, a deep dark hole. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who just posts random shit off of Wikipedia, and it's a lot of times it's marine biology based because mm-hmm. she's a volunteer at the at the aquarium, and she posts some of the coolest stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love marine biology, so it's always just so cool. And I'll just go down that rabbit hole too and uh-huh. read about whelks or fucking whatever tardigrades or something. Yeah, yeah. I remember looking up something about what is a certain type of male singing voice classified as. That's like not a tenor but not a baritone or something and I ended up um, that went to like eunuchs that mm, had like high pitched voices mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm, went to mm-hmm. like intersexed people oh. and then somehow I ended up on this whole article about um, women who may or may not have been intersexed but who like participated in the Olympics or some other sporting thing oh, yeah, yeah, and had yeah. their medals stripped because yes. they're like you are secretly a man right or something and like they right. had to test Germans and Russians yes. in the 80s yeah in the 80s I remember that being a controversy in the 80 and 84 Olympics the German German weightlifting team with yeah. women's weightlifting and that you know mm-hmm. and yeah and, and they started doing actual gender DNA gender yeah. tests or you know, piss tests or some kind of gender test, and now it's and like, what if she is secretly a man? Hasn't she been through enough? Yeah, like, exactly. Let her have exactly, the medal. Exactly. You know, like what? I mean, it's not like they were, they weren't like dudes dressed up like bosom buddies. Like, oh, oh, well, they're trying. To, I, I'm from what I understand, they're trying to get it to where Ronda Rousey can fight in regular men's yeah. matches in UFC. What I mean, I have no interest in UFC mm-hmm. whatsoever, and and. I'm not happy with everything that Ronda Rousey has said in press interviews about trans women, but um, you know it's like sure if you know you want to if people are di- you know it's the Roman times all over again. People want to watch people beat each other to yeah. a bloody pulp and practically to death. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, so you were going to work on your stand up and you got down the parrot or the went down the parrot yeah. hole. Oh, thank you for bringing me back. So this is and just I'm going to bring you back to Eddie Izzard. Okay, too. good, good. Um, I just know about myself that I'm going to procrastinate, and if I don't have some sort of pressure on, then um, I shouldn't be working on it. And and so, like this morning I woke up and I you know, was working on my set and sort of tweaking it, and I'm totally focused on it because I know that I have to perform tonight. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, why didn't I just do whatever I wanted last night? Why did I even try to write? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but, um, you know, then there's... The, the problem with me is, like, breaking a big project into smaller, smaller things. amounts. Right, right, right. Time there is no pressure. Right, and right. that's what... I mean, I think the biggest thing that holds me back from being 
successful like as a writer or comedian getting to the next level with a comedian i need to go go to more shows and like meet more people sure 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 um but as a writer um i write very little honestly unless i'm just like hyper focused in the add hyper focused same thing i had the same set written down in my google google docs for Uh a couple of months now i haven't added a lot of stuff yet of course the people at work haven't been as funny lately to make fun. Of. <laughs> you know what I'll do sometimes? I'll I when I'm um, promoting a show, I will say, um, and for those of you who have come to my shows in the past, this week we're going to have some all new material. And I never do a whole new set, especially not without like workshopping it or mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. But then I have I'm like, oh shit, I have to write you know, something. Have, new. That forces yeah. you. That forces you. That so, holds a comedic gun to your head. Yeah. Holds a microphone to your head and said, you will write. Yes. You will write. write the jokes. No. <laughs> I don't know why I went went German there, but you know. said they're scary. That's why. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> People are sorry. That's what my whole German like bit is about. Is that um. I'm trying to convince people like, oh, no, German is really nice and soft and wonderful and romantic. And then I'm like, oh, for example. And then whatever I say, I like yell it <laughs> like scary. Like, like, that's oh, a great idea. If you, idea. If you I know like your that. child comes home with an A on her science test, then you just want to pat her on the head and be like, I was because it like it is scary. And um, my husband and I on our honeymoon, um, foolishly toured Europe, which I don't regret doing. It was really fun, but we're always like, why didn't we just go somewhere for a week and drink and like not have to figure out the train schedule? Like we just <laughs> planned a fucking wedding. That, like, what is the point of work. the honeymoon? And it, the point of the honeymoon is to relax. But um, anyway, that's why we got on a boat. Oh yeah. Yeah. We got on a, we got on a floating toilet and went down to Mexico <laughs> and uh, had, a, had a ball and there let everybody go. else take care of and everything. When you're on a cruise, you have to relax because there's nothing else. You're not like, Oh, we should really be seeing the Louvre mm. right now. You know, <laughs> yeah. like you don't have a checklist. Yeah. It's like yeah. check, gamble, drink, yeah. sit by pool, yeah. read novel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. Coat every surface in the cabin with semen. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I went there. Don't and, and there. A black and, and over there. And behind there. <laughs> and over there. And under that question. Um. I still. That reminds me of the joke in Guardians of the Galaxy when he's like, it's like a Jackson Pollock painting in here. And I'm like, this is sort of a kid's movie. <laughs> But they like threw in little, and a Disney kid's movie. Yeah. It's a but, Disney movie. And he talks about a Jackson But that's Pollock actually painting. really. That's really. Um, clever because the you know you're always hiding kids you know references from kids and and you know warner brothers did that and successfully in cartoons for 40 years yeah but i mean if you specifically make the reference about something that not even every adult knows about you know you have to be educated and at a certain age to be like oh jackson pollock this is his artistic style i've heard so many references to jackson pollock for any form of kind of messy splattery yeah reference yeah i know there's a comedian i've had this week okay my turn to tangent my Mm -hmm. this week i've had so many weird the last week and a half i've had so many specific weird references uh-huh. like for some reason in this last week james bond came back and it started with watching your uh-huh. stand-up uh, talking about the, the bond themes which i want to talk to you about as mm-hmm. well um but then wayne fetterman and i wound up talking about james bond uh-huh. and some other people and i wound up talking about james bond and they were uh Proops and jackie cation on dork forest were talking about 70s movies and we started talking about james mm-hmm. bond so all these bond references and then the other references that came up were hearing i can't remember if it was the wayne if it was wayne fetterman talking about the wayne fetterman the fetterman international film festival or if it was Proops talking about the greg Proops film festival 
talking about Janine Garofalo uh, wanting to see, wanting to show and talk about The Hot Rock, which is a movie from 1972. It's kind of like a caper movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then reference after reference after reference after reference. Mm-hmm. I had heard of The Hot Rock. I'd never seen it. Uh-huh. And I hadn't heard about it for years. But then I heard that one reference and just drop in and all of a sudden, bloop. Yeah. All and these other like, references You're like, to have it. I just been missing this all the right. time because I wasn't looking for it? I remember when I learned the word Eschelon. Oh, nice. <laughs> suddenly nice. I was like, has everybody been saying Eschelon this whole time? Like, why didn't my brain ever go, oh, I don't recognize that word. It just, like, glossed right, right over right. it. yeah. Okay, so what were we supposed to be getting back to? Uh, well, there was Eddie Ezra, but I also wanted to talk to you about James Bond theme. Right. She started singing the theme for... Um, uh, it was before Horsefucker. It was um, uh, 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 shit. Now I can't remember it. Oh, it was a, uh, it was a uh, Thunder Thighs. Yeah. And I started writing lyrics to Thunder Thighs in my head. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's the weakest one, I think. No, not, I, not the I think weak- it's great. Well, my only critique there isn't then would be a joke. It's just right Thunder Thighs, but extend the song a little bit yeah you know, come up with some lyrics and i and not you don't have to use this or whatever but i in my head started coming up because i'll take nuggets of somebody uh-huh. else's idea and then just start and i've often felt that my comedy could benefit from a co-writer or somebody to help me mm-hmm. bounce ideas off of because starting that conversation in my head and bouncing back yeah. and forth i don't do as well as i do with starting with a hashtag game or starting with something that hayden black posts on facebook yeah. and then i'll bounce off of that and build off of that and make up something really funny. Yeah. The, the comedy sketch that I wrote in my sketch group, I wrote with my ex-wife. We were lying in bed and giggling and said, wouldn't it be funny if mm-hmm. you had a typical father-son chat with a college-age son and the, the parents want the kid to be, want the son to be gay? Uh-huh. Wouldn't that be funny? And uh-huh. we came up with a sketch and it ran the whole thing. It was hilarious, but we bounced these ideas off. So I sometimes I have trouble bouncing ideas off myself yeah. and I do better with a partner. But what I was thinking of, let's see, uh, he always walks because he can't run. <laughs> he spends all his time eating bread and buns. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah, good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, when <laughs> you, he approaches, look in his eyes. You'll be shocked by his thighs. That's what I came up with off your foot. So there you go. So do I have permission to use that? You have permission to use that. Go for it. And that's recorded. That's yes. recorded, yeah. No, but I mean, if you want to use that, I'm yeah. not, I don't mean to be as, you know, to say what it is. Yeah, I usually, I just take pedal. like little segments. I always, when I was writing that, um, you know, the whole, it's funny how different bits come about because the whole reason for that bit was that I just wanted to sing the word horsefucker <laughs> to Goldeneye, or not Goldeneye, to um, Goldfinger. Goldfinger, yeah, horsefucker. And I can't remember, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's something that I came up with drunk. Like joking well, one of my, my favorite things in the world, and you tapped into it unknowingly, of course, because mm-hmm. we've never met, but one of my favorite things in the world is women doing Sean Connery impressions. I think that's one of the funniest things in the world. <laughs> it's like old ladies and little kids cussing. It's the same <laughs> level of just sheer that's utter delight. Funny. Hearing women do that, you know, because they don't have a deep voice. <laughs> yeah. Hearing women in a women's voice going, yeah, I'm, I'm Sean Connery, you know. Yeah. It's just hilarious. I used, to, I used to leave it out because I was like, um, and I will sometimes if I'm pressed for time, if I see the light going or whatever, but um, uh, I was like, I don't really do a good Sean Connery. And my husband was like, yeah, that's why it's funny. That's why it's funny. <laughs> and that got a bigger laugh than the first part of the yeah. horse fucking joke. Yeah. It was the second one, or the Sean Connery. Or yeah. <laughs> so I used to do just a bit where I was like talking. Of, I just did that one song. 
And um, and then I was in a class. Um, I will totally plug this stand-up class. Um, there's a woman named Judith Shelton. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember her website. It's probably judithshelton.com. And I... She does three levels, and the class is so much... And I would totally recommend for you to take mm-hmm, it if you're mm-hmm, working mm-hmm, on mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. I would recommend for comics at all stages. Are they like weekend classes, evening classes? Um, it depends. Like they're, It's usually four or five weeks, and she usually does like Wednesday or Thursday nights like from 7 to 10, mm-hmm. or she'll do like Saturday morning mm-hmm. from 10 sure, to 1 or something. Sure, sure, sure. But it's such a great opportunity to work out material at the... the she sets up uh, an environment where people are very supportive, and mm-hmm. most of the people that are taking their cla- her classes have her are just cool people because they've heard it's about it. It's funny you say that. I'm I'm at that level where I want to do I want to do a workshop. I want uh-huh. I'm ready to invest in a workshop to to take myself to the next level, you, just so I can go and do that. Five oh, I would somewhere. so recommend because yeah. it's not like don't ever do this. You always have to do this. If you, it's not like that at all. It's more like um, she's just helping you explore your voice and discover. And I workshopped that horse fucker thing. And there was a specific class where she's like, just bring in like uh, three jokes that never worked. Mm-hmm. And we'll take a look at mm. them and, and see, doesn't that sound fun? Mm. It's so, oh, and I wrote material. I got to figure out how to punch up my, uh, pr- my printer rant. I have a rant about printers. Uh-huh. As everybody on the podcast knows. Um, even, the I, the, even the IT guy hates the printers. Yes. Okay. Printers are outmoded. Well, I have this whole thing about it. Printers are outmoded technology. I mean, we're, the reason why printers never work is because they're from 19... They were invented in, you know... The first the first laser printer was in 1976. You know, they look it up. The IBM 3800, 1976. We don't mm-hmm. use anything from 1986 anymore. Right. You know, uh, uh, the, and I recently added to this joke, uh, the, the, the space shuttle. The Concord. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Jenner. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know we're not using Bruce Jenner anymore. It's Caitlin right. now. So, you know and, you know, and I tried to, and I had to kind of go over that one in my brain. It's like, is that being offensive or dismissive? No, it's not. No, I mean, Bruce I Jenner, so. it's like Caitlin's here now. So, yeah. actually, it's a, a funny joke that's common and irrelevant, mm-hmm. but it's also not horribly offensive. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when I brought this up, I was like, I just love saying the word horse fucker. And I know. We all? Yeah. And, and singing it specifically and um somebody in the class i can't remember if it was a teacher or another student was like we'll just do like three songs just find another song mm-hmm. and i was like oh my god why did i never think of that so and i threes it's always in threes yeah set up set up although punch, i kind of cheat because i uh, three. i think i do two songs for horse fucker yeah i do um just because heaven above me, me. the horse who fuck me which a friend a friend helped me come up with i gotta give him credit um, but uh, like I love them both too much to. to Although it might be it. funny, I was also thinking it would be funny. Uh, him heaving above me, <laughs> the horse who fucked me. But you know that's that's me, and I have used to have a bit of a Catherine the Great obsession. Um, <laughs> the thing that's funny about horse fucking. Got your horses? I've got my parents. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that's funny about horse fucking is if you want to fuck a horse. You gotta earn that. Yeah. You, you need a ladder. Yeah. You need, you know, you, some that sugar cubes. By accident. You need some sugar cubes, a bag of oats. You gotta, you yeah. know, you gotta work for that. You can't just walk in and bam, you're going. You gotta plan. This is planning and scheduling, uh-huh. and you really gotta invest some, right. some, some 
gray matter to this. I always like to think about what would a supervillain be trying to accomplish by fucking horses. Like, <laughs> just like um, ruining their like. Um, we are going to ruin the triple crown. <laughs> like no one will and raise destroy her now. the economy of the of the of the horse world elite. Yeah, <laughs> driving the price of all horses up by all Arabian horses up yeah. by fifty percent. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like the Goldfinger plot yeah, where you yeah. destroy this Irradiating and then you, 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 your own horse horses yeah. go up in value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your own horses go up in value. It's genius. <laughs> yes, yes, genius. <laughs> My horse farm in Germany for the value of every horse will increase by I conservatively estimate three hundred and fifty percent. I was speaking of evil laughter. <laughs> There's this parrot video of a parrot laughing like a supervillain. Yes. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. You just, oh, I just remembered one of the best parrot things ever. There's a British comedian uh-huh. who has a parrot, and the parrot has a filthy fucking mouth. Uh-huh. And it's the funniest thing in the world. So wait, he brings the parrot on stage? No, he... it's just at home. He's uh-huh. at home with this filthy parrot who's constantly calling him a cunt and telling him to fuck off in a British accent. And it's the most amazing That's thing awesome. in the I world. You gotta look that up. C- cursing parrot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. So did you get to the point where you actually were able to work on your stand-up and prepare for tonight properly? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. I, I mean, it's usually... Like, I'm not going to try anything really new for, I mean, because it's a, it's a contest that mm-hmm. I'm doing tonight. So I want, I'm going to do my best stuff. Um, but I uh, just wanted to tweak it just a little. I always try to change it up just to keep myself engaged and right, interested. Right, right. And so I will do this thing where I'll just sort of revise. Like, what am I? I'm going to pull this from here. I'm going to pull this. I'm going to leave this mm-hmm, one out this mm-hmm. time. And then um, I record myself. But I, like, even though my husband's heard me do it a million times, I make him put on headphones. Because mm-hmm. I, cool. like, so I don't get, like, stage shy or not. Right, right, But, right. like, um, uh, and then I li- just listen to it over and over, like, while I'm putting on my So your husband puts on headphones and you get out the, uh, the standee of uh, Jerry Lewis and you put it in the living room. <laughs> yeah. And then I have a parrot. And, um, <laughs> and, then, I let, and then I let my husband know when we're ready you for him. You're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the heckling parrot. <laughs> you know, there's parrots that have learned to laugh and, it, you know, they're just mimicking what they hear sure, a lot. sure. It's really funny because then when you laugh at the parrot, they laugh even more, and mm-hmm. it, and it's just like, it's so crazy. Um, I had a I had a girlfriend who had a parrot. Oh yeah. And she had a phone, a cordless phone, on the wall. This is back in the days when people had phones in their uh, landlines in their house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it beeped when you picked it up. It beeped when you put it down. It beeped when you touched a number. It beeped and everything. Mm-hmm. And this parrot would do the beep, and we're like, we, we would be around sleeping whatever or you know just sitting there and you'd hear beep it's like where, where's the phone is, it, is the battery dead oh no it's the parrot of course the parrot imitated some other things as well so really? that was inconvenient as well yeah yeah that's funny i've always wanted to put that in a script a parrot being like oh yeah, yeah. oh you do it to me that is really funny because it's you know, what they hear the most like, that's right. probably had a healthy relationship that's right that's right I've never so. seen this, but I've heard there's a David Sedaris story where he talks about his sister has a couple parrots and um, how depressing it is that they can make the sounds of like the blender and like the <laughs> ice cube maker, but I've never seen a bird make that kind of sound. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's some birds that can really imitate like everything. There's one, there's actually birds out in the wild mm-hmm. in South America imitating the sounds of trees being bulldozed. 
And oh my it's god! Horrific. It That's is soul crushing. But there are birds of paradise or whatever whatever species, that, yeah, that imitate that not just so words depressing. and human speech, but sound machinery sounds. The sounds of, and as and you their hear, own habitat, you is can being, hear that. Oh my god! And the you know kind of thing, and they're. That's like chilling. It's, it is chilling. It is chilling. Wow. Back to Eddie's real okay, quick before Eddie we wrap Izzard. up. Let's put on our heels and our lipstick and. Like you do. <laughs> yes, one does. La, 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 la. Mm. I miss those days of the whole. I he doesn't dress up. He doesn't tart up as much as he used to. It's <laughs> hard up. Yeah, I remember being a little. There was some tour that he did where he wore like a little waistcoat with mm-hmm, tails. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that I was didn't, a sexy tour, I believe. I didn't like that look as much for no. him. But this time he he's like dressed in a suit. And he has ma- he has on makeup and then heels, I think. Right. Um, so. Well, I like the one where you have breasts. And he's like, yes, sir. Would you like the toes? Yes, put them on my breasts. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> um, his whole his whole goal was never to be called ma'am, and he made a whole bit of that. It's like it's, uh-huh. like, it's like I don't want people saying yes, ma'am. I still want them saying yes, sir. But yeah. it's like you know, because I'm a man, but I'm a transvestite. I'm not a drag queen. I'm not a yeah. transsexual. You know, I'm not a, a a woman. I'm not presenting as being a woman. I am a man in women's clothing and women's affectation. So I, I think that's how I learned about um, uh, that men could just be into that. Yeah. yeah. The, and and maybe and like and his, I don't know if it's like if it started as some sort of sexual proclivity, but it's just how he feels comfortable. Sure. You know. Well, hey, I did Rocky Horror, and it yeah. felt pretty goddamn good to get up yeah. there and fish nets in a in a garter belt and a corset. Everyone Loved should it. do it once. Makeup, yeah. the thing, you know. I mean, if I wasn't so damn lazy. <laughs> um, Think about the my, energy. Uh, it takes. And my daughter, my trans daughter, mm-hmm. uh, wears nail polish uh, mm-hmm. all the time now, and I'm like, great, you know. And I I used to the back back when 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 David Beckham made made being metrosexual cool. Uh-huh. I was wearing uh, matching. I was wearing matching colors and jelly bracelets and matching nail polish to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, maybe one of the reasons why I was laid off. But um, <laughs> actually, I stopped doing that about a year before I was laid off. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I was, there was a period there where I was wearing nail polish all the time, and mm-hmm. it's just like, this is who I am. It's like, whatever, and nobody yeah. made a big deal about Personally, it. Personally, I think it's hot. Like, uh, um, there was some sort of alternative wedding that I dragged my husband to in Portland, as that's where most alternative weddings take place, <laughs> I think. And for whatever reason, I had talked him into, like, painting his Were nails. Were they married on fixie bikes, and they were throwing no, kale at the end? it was just like... <laughs> it was... Um, <laughs> It was it was like in a, a park or something, mm-hmm. but um, they're divorced now, so oh. fuck that guy. <laughs> but um, but I got my. I almost did a spit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, I got my husband to wear it like guy liner, awesome. which I he does a really great Captain Jack Sparrow, <laughs> and he has a costume, so he does that for Halloween Lovely. sometimes. And I was like, I really like you in eyeliner. So like um. Uh, I got him to wear the black nail polish and the guy liner mm-hmm. and stuff, and like all the gay guys at the wedding were just on <gasps> him. They were like, "He is so tasty. Where'd you find him?" And I'm like, "He doesn't normally dress like that, you know. <laughs> Not that he's any less tasty." <laughs> downplay, but, downplay, yeah. downplay, downplay, downplay. Don't but, steal my um, husband. Downplay, downplay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Danny's always trying to get me to to, to tart up. So I'm like, some eye liner tonight. I'm like, all right, go get. Yeah. It. I mean, I was I'm an old sure. school goth kid, so I mean, oh, I yeah. was always doing the thing and. <laughs> yes, we're talking about you. Um, so, um, but yeah, it, I'm sure there's tons of women that think Eddie Izzard is super hot. Oh, like, fuck I think yeah. he's hot. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And yeah. Um, without question. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I'm sure that like when he first started doing that, people were like, "What?" Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, there was a few times when I wore my when I was married the first time, and I wore my wife's clothes as a Halloween costume and uh-huh. you know, padded bra and the whole thing, but full makeup and everything. And and people were kind of, were going, "Oh my God, it's you!" Wow, you know. <laughs> and I was working so the first time I did that. I was working at a at a record store. And um, somebody came up and kept people kept coming up and calling me ma'am, and I turned around and said yes. <laughs> oh, oh, it's Halloween! Oh shit! That's uh, right. So, um, um, well, this has been really fun. Where are you doing stand up tonight? Uh, tonight, I, mean, I this isn't going to go up yeah, till tomorrow, but I do have a show that I can promote. This okay, in October tonight, I met Flappers in Claremont Yay. on October twenty fourth, I believe. I am in the Comedy Store main stage. I want to say at seven or seven thirty. Mm. I can like send you a link. Yes, or that would be delightful. Yeah, yeah. Comedy yeah. Store main stage. Yes, five minutes go, uh, toward uh, the so beginning. It's seven or, or eight. I think. Nice. Yeah. Well done, you. It's my third time doing. Well, that, one last so. question about that. Just as a gauge, um, mm-hmm. from the time you started, uh, how long you went from when you started? How long ago were you doing your first uh, open mics till now? Well, I think I started the open mics in 2011 because okay. that's when um, my husband and I got engaged, and then planning a wedding is like a sure. job. So yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that's when we got married on the beach. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but then, like, uh, I sort of almost accidentally got back into it because a friend was like, oh, we need somebody for a show, and it's tomorrow. And that was, um, that would have been in 2013, cool. I think. Cool. So, cool. A couple of years. You know, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So the October, again, October... October 24th. 24th. Um, and I have, like, uh, I'll have, like, a secret code that's not really secret that, you know, um, that your listeners can use to get a discount. Nice. To get in? Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and, um, yeah, it's my third time doing the main room, and, um, it's pretty cool. It's like, um... Uh, we don't know who the headliner is usually until, like... That night. The, yeah, a couple days before, maybe, because... the booking guy has found that he can get better people like last minute. Oh, okay. Because they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah comedians sure. are like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, I got nothing going on. But you try to put, nail somebody down, you know, especially in LA, and it yeah. doesn't happen. Everybody's a maybe on Facebook or whatever. But, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So, um, where can people find you online? Plug your plug your stuff. Okay, so my Facebook page is um, like facebook.com slash shenanigan c like. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. Um, and then Twitter is also is at Shenanigan C. And there's a video that I sent you is on Twitter. Okay. And then um, Instagram, which I sometimes use, uh, my name is Lando Dogs Ma because my dog is named Lando. <laughs> oh, cool. And so cool. I'm Lando's Lando Dogs Ma. Cool. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Hey, cool. Uh, well, this has been great. We're like, yeah, it's uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, I yeah. totally keep talking for like two more hours. I know this is great. Yeah. This is great. But we'll definitely have you back on. We'll and we'll plug your show when it's coming up and put up okay. links and all that lovely stuff. Awesome. So, um, I'm at Saint Michael on Twitter. That's S A Y N T M Y K L. I'm underscore Saint Michael on Instagram. Uh, you can find us online as Something Two XP. Uh, please subscribe and review on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook and Google+. Check out our blog and listen to past episodes on our WordPress blog at something2xp.wordpress.com. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. You've just listened to the Something Something Experience podcast with your hosts, Michael John Simpson and Kitty Brown. 
Something 2XP was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Ciceri. You can find us everywhere online as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and WordPress. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.